Welcome to the Gospel Addict Podcast. I'm Greg Bryan. And I'm Jim Reske. We're gospel addicts because we believe the gospel of Jesus isn't just good news, it's the best news ever. We're addicted to the gospel because it doesn't just start us out in the Christian life, it is the Christian life. Join us as we look at the Bible through the lens of the gospel. Thanks so much for listening. It's, it's fantastic, Greg. It's it's so key. It's it, because someone says, "Look, your Christianity is an exclusive truth claim," and you say, "Right." And the exclusive truth claim is this: that everybody is welcome. And anybody, like not just the good, not just the righteous, not just the people that have made the steps to enlightenment or are wise or have figured things out or have kept their nose clean. None of it. it's like everybody. And the exclusive truth claim is massively expansive and massively inclusionary to everybody. And I love what you said, by the way, because Christianity is a true multicultural. The promise of Christianity is that every tribe and tongue will be there. It's, it's, it's leading to a multicultural world, right? So just unbelievably inclusive. The, its exclusive truth claim is inclusivity. Yeah. So yeah. it's hard I, to get all that out, though, and someone's like, yeah, I don't want to hear here because... <laughs> when I have these conversations with people, they're like, yeah, you still think you've got it all figured out. You know all the answers. You got all the truth. And um, they kind of just don't want to hear it. So. Yeah. But that does, yeah. you know, that does offend people initially that when Jesus says, I am the way, that's right, the truth and the life. Right. No one comes to the Father except through me. That is, that can be offensive to people. Yeah. But if you really understand it, you see how inclusive it is. Randy, did you want to make a comment? Well, yeah, I think if anyone should be humble, it should be Christians. And sadly, there are many Christians who feel like we do have it all figured out. But the reality is, if we truly believe what we're reading, it did not come from us. It wasn't our idea. We didn't earn it. it it's That's grace. That's the gospel. And so it, it's not our earning. It's not. And um, in fact, we even grow because of his grace and how we teach it so none of this is from us right we right. should be the most humble people on earth that's right because it, it, it's not I, what do i have to be proud in other than christ and christ alone and so you know um people that talk about how we're so arrogant honestly i i think it's and sadly i think sometimes we do come off that way as followers of jesus but the reality is is I think we should be the most humble. Um, mm. And again, that takes us back to who Jesus was, right? Um, so perhaps a lot of the arrogance that people um, reject or experience is our culture, is the fact that we're Americans. Mm. Do you because find that in your if you, if you, well, if you travel the world, you realize that Americans are known to be arrogant. Um, in other cultures, mm -hmm. um, we tend to think that we've got it all figured out, and yet our country is one of the youngest countries in the in the world, and uh, we're we're a land full of immigrants. That's right. But I think a lot of the arrogance people experience from Christians are maybe more from the the fact that we're American Christians than from our faith. It can be, and it ties into what you were saying a minute ago, that you can be an African Christian, you can be an Ethiopian Christian, right? You could be an Australian Christian, 
that you're, you bring your culture to it. The Christianity doesn't pull you out of your culture, it redeems your culture. And God's going to move us towards a multicultural world, but it's not, it's not going to oppose American Christianity, but that's a lesson for us because I think that no matter what our culture is, you do have to kind of separate the parts of your, if you start blending your Christianity and your culture and you got to separate, like, what is it about what I, the way I'm practicing my Christianity that is just, just my culture and just my cultural interpretation, right? Versus what is really truly biblical Christianity and kind of work to kind of parse those out and separate those. Because it's really, it's all too easy to say, well, every Christian knows you do it this way, but you're, what you're doing is bringing your culture into it, your cultural biases. So you do have to work to kind of parse those out. True. Hey, let's move on. Can I, so, Can I just one quick thing in this uh, commentary I have here by Frederick Dale Bruner. He's quoting Luther in a sermon that Luther gave. Yay. And, and, yeah, and he says, with a view to the beginning, he's called the way. He is the truth with regard to the means and the continuation, and he is a life by reason of the end, for he must be all, the beginning, the middle, and the end of our salvation. And I'm just thinking that's the gospel, guys. He's he's the beginning. He continues. We continue in the truth, and eventually we get to be with him forever, life. He's the beginning, the middle, and the end. And I just, I, when I read that, I was like, boy, that resonates. That's so, so awesome. Thanks for sharing that. That's great. Sometimes I think, you know, why did you choose me, God? Why, you know, I don't know if you guys ever feel that way. Like, why me? Like, you know, I wasn't did looking say, for why God. Did, he choose, did we ever wonder why he chose you? <laughs> <laughs> never, never occurred to me to question that, Greg. Me, I can question, but you, you seem obvious. Yeah, right, I, I right. totally agree with you on that. Yeah, <laughs> All right. Well let's, you, well, let's move on right after the statement. He says, if you've known me, you would have known my father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. And then Philip says to him, Lord, show us the father and it will be enough for us. And then Jesus said to Philip, have I been with you so long that you still don't know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the father. How can you say, show us the father? Do you not believe that I am in the father and the father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on the account of the works themselves. And then he says in verse 12, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these he will, will he do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. So let's discuss this little portion. Um, uh, any thoughts on like Philip's question here? Sorry, I remember um, very well a Bible study in college where someone introduced this as the most embarrassing question the world has ever seen. The most embarrassing question in the history of the world ever. When Philip asks this, because Philip does get kind of a little bit of a rebuke from Jesus, right? Yes. A bit of a sharp kind of comeback. But it's very embarrassing because Jesus just says, in verse 7, it's kind of clear. Jesus says, if you had known me, you would have known my father, right? And uh, from now on, you do know him and you have seen him because you see me. And then Philip says, great, great, great. I got it, Jesus. Show us the father. And it's, and then Jesus kind of, he doesn't, you know, slam him completely, but it's, 
have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Maybe Jesus isn't angry. He's just discouraged. Like, oh, you snap in his forehead. Like, ah, you've been following me. We've been spending every day together for the last three years. And I'm about to go to the cross in a few days. And you still don't really know, you know. So maybe discouraging for Jesus more than anything. But the key, I think one of the big keys is a couple keys here. But one of his word is the word no. Um, I was just, I told you, Greg, I was listening to a sermon that Tim Keller gave on John 14. And he really went on that because he said that that is like the essence and that of, of Christianity. It makes Christianity different than all the other religions. And that's the we're talking about a second ago, because you can say every other religion, you might have a philosophy. So, you know, Buddha lived and wrote a book and you have his book later and Confucius lived and wrote a book and you have the book later, but you don't have a personal relationship with Confucius. If you're Confucius, right? So you don't have a personal relationship with Muhammad. You don't, you know, die and go up to heaven and say, oh, Muhammad, you saved me. I love you. So mom's like, I gave you instructions for living. I wrote down the things you should do. Right. Um, but Christianity is all about knowing Jesus, right? I've been with you so long, you still do not know me, Philip. What Jesus wants for Philip is not just listen to my teachings and obey my precepts and my commands and be a good person. He says, I want you to know me. And he's discouraged that Philip doesn't know him at this point, but it's all about all about knowing Jesus. I know that's, that's my quick reaction because I just kind of listened to that this one sermon. What do you, what do you guys think? I think it's interesting because it, it's so easy for us to look at the disciples and think, oh, my gosh, they're such knuckleheads. Right. How did they not get it? But the reality is in Judaism, no one saw God. Right. I mean, uh, Moses got to interact with God some in the in the and um, the, the covenant. But they didn't have this. So when he's saying, show me the father. I think it's consistent with what he's grown up knowing that the Holy Spirit comes upon prophets and gives them power. Miracles have happened through God, but we've not really seen him. And so I kind of get where he's coming from, but um, you're right. He's been with Jesus so long. And I think Jesus gets to the end here and he says, at least believe in the miracles that I've done. Like right. they testify to me. And um what does he say here? Um, uh, I have been doing his will, do even and you'll do even greater things. But he talks about how he has been doing these, uh, doing his work. I say you are not my own, rather in the Father living in me who is doing his work. That God's been doing his work through Jesus to the people. And so... Yeah, I mean, I think they've been with him. They've seen his works. They've seen the miracles. They've heard his teaching. But I do have to understand it. It's got to be hard for a Jew at that time to put oh. aside all the teaching of all those years to say, wait. Yeah, I have great empathy for them. I think I would have been far more confused than they were. So I think I think you're right. And and you, you mentioned earlier, they, they you know, the Holy Spirit came down on Pentecost and there even verses when they say, we didn't understand at the time, but later we remembered these things. And, oh, that and it came back to us. Um, you think part of what he's saying here is when he says, if you had known me, you would have known my father also, that he's explaining why he was the only way to God, because he was 
the perfect representation of God. Part of the Trinity. To know Jesus is to know God. Right. Um, is that part of what's happening here? Is he's he's saying you would you would know to know him was to know God. Yeah, actually, it's another I am statement. You, uh, do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? So, you know, Jesus is part of the Trinity because the whole next section is all about the Holy Spirit, right? Right. We're getting to. So it's the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So how could there be another way? Um, I'm the geeky. I'm part of the Trinity that you're coming towards, right? And that's another teacher saying, here's how to climb the mountain to reach God somewhere. Some just thing. I am. I'm the top of the mountain you're climbing towards. Um, and um, uh, and it's my work kind of having the father forsake who forsook me that lets you come in and be part of this and, and join uh, our communities, right? So there can't be any way. So that's an interesting point, Craig, that maybe this explains and clarifies some of the exclusivity that you see in the, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the father, but through me. Well, let's... Uh... Let's continue on, Jim. You want to read the rest of the chapter, 15 yeah. to 31 in the ESV? Yeah, sure. So I'll start with uh, chapter 15. I'll just keep going to the end. Um, John 14, verse 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you yet a little while and the world will see me no more, but you will see me because I live. You also will live in that day. You will know that I am in the father and you in me and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them. He it is who loves me and he who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the father's who sent me. These things I've spoken to you while I'm still with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives you, do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, nor let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced because I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before, it, it, I have told you before it takes place, so that when it does take place, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me, but I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let us go from here. Wow, what a discourse. My first, yeah, my first impression of that is, I mean, there's so many great uh, verses that we love to meditate on and memorize, but just hearing you read that, Jim, reminds me, this was like, these. this was an actual discourse that Jesus gave. And it's amazing that we have it 2,000 years later. Right. We right. have these words. These were like, these were private words to this small group of guys. 
And it's amazing just how detailed they are. Yeah. And that's what he says right in here, you know, you, the Holy Spirit will come and bring into your remembrance all that I've said to you. So right there, uh, self-referencing in the text is what is exactly what you just described, that we have it because the Holy Spirit brought it back to their memory. Praise the Lord. I mean, it's just such an amazing speech, right? Yeah. I mean, it's... Right. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. It's so comforting. And it's so filled with love. You know, one thing I wanted to... One scheme for friendship that came up um, we were talking about Philip um, and uh, and it comes through in this whole chapter is the idea of relationship or faith having three aspects, an intellectual faith, an emotional faith, and a volitional faith. And an intellectual faith is knowing. That's when Jesus says, you've been with you so long, Philip, you don't know me. Right. And then an emotional faith is loving the Lord. And that's all right in the center of the section we just read, starting really in verse 21. He who has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved, my father. So much love, 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 love going on, right? So that's another part of your faith. And then the volitional part, like, yeah, he who has my commandments and keeps them, keeps them. All these things about if you have my commandments, you got to keep my commandments. That's the choices we make, right? So there's a volitional aspect to our faith, too. It's we we know him, we love him, and then we choose, right? Um, mm-hmm. th- you know, just three different aspects that come out. And then all, all three come out in this, just in John 14. Randy, what struck you when you were reading it? What's your favorite verse or what jumped off the page to you? Well, a couple of things. One, um, obedience. That Jesus is calling us to obedience. He's not saying, I'm looking for some intellectual assent to my teaching that you would agree with me. Um, he's saying that if you believe, you're obedient. And so uh, there's a whole lot here about obedient and living it out that if... The only way you show your love for him is obedience. But the second part of that is he talks about the Holy Spirit. I love this idea is the Christian life is not hard. It's impossible. Amen. We can't live it apart from the Holy Spirit. That's right. Sometimes we don't talk enough about the Holy Spirit. And Jesus is saying, I'm sending him. He is the one that enables you to be obedient and to follow me. And so Throughout this whole part you just read, Jim, is obedience and abiding in the Holy Spirit in my mind. Like those are the concepts I keep coming back to. The last thing that hits me is where Jesus says, peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Not as the world gives, do I give it to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. And at the end of this, he says, now let us go. We're leaving this room. So he is telling them as they're getting ready to leave, don't let your hearts be troubled. Be at peace. The Holy Spirit will bring you peace. Uh, this is in control. My Father, I'm going. You, you knew what was happening. You'd be happy for me because I get to go back and be with the Father. And um, don't be afraid. So here's kind of a Bible study kind of question you'd ask in a small group Bible study. When you read that verse, it says, not as the world gives to you, do I give to you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives to you, do I give to you. What's the difference between the peace of the world versus the peace that the, that Jesus gives to us? I think peace in the world a lot of times is circumstantial. Mm-hmm. I think we find peace like, oh, I'm at peace. Like um, I'm sitting on my back porch. As followers of Christ, we can rest 
and be at peace in the middle of a war. Like uh, my wars, bombs are blowing up around us uh, figuratively, and yet we are able to find peace. Not, uh, like I said, circumstantially, but but in our hearts. It's inside out. God has not lost control. He still loves me. He's still victorious. He's still on the throne. And as messed up as governments in the world may be, or as situations are, God is still God. And we can be at peace with that. Um, Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. To me, that's the difference is it's one tends to be more circumstantial. Like when Jesus is called the Prince of Peace, I don't think he's talking about peace. Uh, I mean, he can give peace between nations. Of course he can. But I think he's talking about peace between us and God. Mm. I think he's talking about peace in our hearts here. So, Well, yeah, the, the peace of reconciliation with the Father, right? Our sins are forgiven. We have a path. We, he is the way. He's paid the price for us. You know, I've been thinking about just the... Um, like the merits of psychology, the kind of piece that comes from psychological counseling. And I think then some Christian circles, there's a stigma associated with that. I don't, I don't take that view. I think that oftentimes there are psychological problems that really can be really worked out with um, uh, counseling and therapy, and you can get great insight into those things. But there are limits. It's, 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 a, it's a, like if someone's gone through abuse, for example, as a child, they can really get a lot of benefit by therapy and counseling to work through those issues. But that's the limit is it's still based on introspection and say, oh, that's why I'm anxious. I have these triggering events and it brings back these memories or something. You get understanding that way. And it can be really usually beneficial in a person's life. But but there comes a point where there's just a limit to that, right? It's like there's a limit to how much peace you can get just through introspection. This piece is coming from outside of us. This is this is transcendental, right? It's just, this is saying not as the world gives you, I give to you. I'm able to give you something that's way beyond that. Right. Um, and, and part of his reconciliation with the father, back to the I am the way, the truth and life. He's the way he's done it for us. And then with the way we started this conversation within my father's house are many rooms or any mansions. You've got a future with me way beyond your current troubles. Right. You know, Karina, you mentioned, like you mentioned bombs going out. There are places in the world where bombs are going off right now. It's horrible. Right. Yeah. Um, and uh, how can you have peace in that when your circumstances are falling apart? And you say, well, you know, if we can get the peace that passes all understanding, I've got someone who uh, says I can know him personally, not just a system of thought or a fate. I mean, a philosophy I can, and he's done it all for me. I don't have to achieve it. And he's got a place for me that I can go. Right. Um, that's transcendent peace. So um, very different. I like this. Uh, I think it's back up in uh, verse 18 to 21, where he says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Um, I guess Charles Spurgeon considered several ways that the followers of Jesus were not like orphans. For example, an orphan has parents who are dead, but the spirit shows us that Jesus is alive. An orphan is left alone the spirit draws us close to God's presence so that we're never alone. An orphan has lost their provider. The spirit provides all things. An orphan is left without instruction, but the spirit teaches us all things. And then finally, an orphan has no defender, but the spirit is our protector. 
It's pretty interesting. Yeah. The, what a the, contrast. The role of the Holy Spirit. Um, that's, that's really, I like that a lot, Greg, because you can feel left alone. Like there's no provider. I don't have instruction. I don't know which way to go. I have no definitive. Even as a Christian, you can feel that way. And you got to remember that's not, you're not an orphan. You're not alone. You have to remember these words, right? Right now, like a lot of people are struggling with isolation, you know, yeah. from, from the pandemic and feeling, I mean, how many people out there feel alone? Right. Right. Nobody understands me. Um, well, that, but that tells you something because we, we feel alone because we're built for relationship, right? Built for relationship because we were made in the image of the father and they were relational from the beginning, Right. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, just like it, all, the Trinity comes out in this whole passage, but they were relational. That's why we're relational, right? Yeah. And then that brings up again the the, the amazing fact of the gospel that our Creator was willing to tear apart the Trinity in order for us to, to be brought in. Can't understand it. It's right. My you, God, you my God. Your whole my life. People, I know. Like the kind of like the Trinity. I know God is immutable, right? God can never change. But like Jesus says, like, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's like the, as if the Trinity was blown apart so that you could come and be part of that dance, part of that glory, part of that that community, that loving relation. It's just amazing, right? And nothing else teaches that. Nothing is nothing is close to that. No, no one else offers that. And we spend our whole lives like trying to grasp it right. and you, you never quite fully grasp it because it's so mind boggling that the creator of the universe would do this for me. Well, when I'm at this in my servants quarters at the end of your drives, driveways and your mansions, um, I'll be, I'll, I'll be studying this and meditating on this Greg and Phil with joy as long as, as long as I'm with him. Randy, looks like you want to say something. I did. Sorry. I was waving my arms. Um, you were talking, Jim, about peace. And it made me think of a story that I read a while ago. And if you mind, it's only it only take about two minutes. But it, it was it's a, a story about the song, I Have Decided to Follow Jesus. Have you guys heard this? One of the songs. So, um, yeah. Well, let me tell you the history of the song. And it's overwhelming. But this is a man who had peace. And it wasn't in circumstances. As you're talking, I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's a great illustration to this. I have decided to follow Jesus as a Christian hymn originated from India. The lyrics are based on the last two words of a man from Garo Assam. Uh, yeah, Assam. About 150 years ago, there was a great revival in Wales. And as a result, this many missionaries came to the northeast India to spread the gospel. The region is known as Assam and was comprised of hundreds of tribes who were primitive and aggressive headhunters. Into the hostility and aggressive communities came a group of missionaries from the American Baptist Mission spreading the message of love, peace, and hope of Jesus Christ. Naturally, they were not welcomed. One missionary succeeded in converting a man, his wife, and two children. This faith proved contagious, and many villagers began to accept Christ. Angry, the village chief summoned the villagers. He then called the family who had first converted to renounce their faith in public and face execution. Moved by the Holy Spirit, the man said, I have decided to follow Jesus. Enraged at the refusal the man, of the man, the chief ordered his archers to arrow down two children. As both boys lay twitching on the floor, the chief said, will you deny your faith? You've lost both your children. You will lose your wife too. 
But the man replied, though no one joins me, still I will follow. The chief was beside himself with fury and ordered his wife to be arrowed down. In a moment, she joined her two children in death. And now he asked the last time, I'll give you one more opportunity to deny your faith and live. In the face of death, the man said in final memorable line, the cross before me, the world behind me, behind me, no turning back. He was shot dead like the rest of his family, but with their deaths, a miracle took place. The chief who ordered the killings was moved by faith of the man. He wondered why should this man, his wife and two children die for a man who lived a far land uh, on another continent some 2000 years ago. There must be some remarkable power behind the man's faith. And I too want to taste that faith. In a spontaneous confession of faith, he declared, I too belong to Jesus. And when the crowd heard this from the mouth of their chief, the whole village accepted Christ as their savior. The song is based on the last words of Nakseng, a man from Gairo tribe in Assam. There we wow. go. Wow. But I just thought he he understood peace in a way that we don't, didn't he? Like I, I don't live that way daily. But the Holy Spirit, we're talking about the Holy Spirit and obedience and faith and that area and that whole community came to Christ because of his faith. And we can say how terrible it is. It is terrible. He was martyred. But in the eyes of eternity, that was a split second, right? So anyways, I just that 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 uh, story always motivates me. What a great story. That's, that's just amazing. I never heard that before. Obviously, I sang the song many times since I was a kid. Um, but never knew the story behind it. Thanks, Randy. Thanks for sharing that. It's a great way to wrap up, Greg. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Gospel Addict Podcast. Feel free to contact us via email at gospeladdictpodcast at gmail.com. Stay tuned for our next episode. And remember, on your worst days, you're never beyond the reach of God's grace. And on your best days, you're never beyond the need of God's grace. See you next time.